0: Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Snap Power. They're the makers of those really cool nightlights built right into your outlet cover plate. They install in seconds with no electrical experience needed. Plus, if you head to snappower.com and enter the code YHL15, you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's snappower.com. I'm John.
1: And I'm Sherry.
0: We like home stuff.
1: We like talking.
0: And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home.
1: Today, we're sharing five ways you can refresh a room without spending a single cent, plus how a little game closet organization is saving our sanity, and what the heck is a satisficer? So a funny thing happened. After we shared the episode about picking bathroom fixtures, and I was talking about how, like, if I find a tub I like, and it's in my budget, and it's the shape I like, and especially if the comments are like, I'm 5'2", and I love this tub, then I'm like, this is the tub.
0: This was the episode where we were talking about reducing our stress during our bathroom renovation. I'll put a link to it in the show notes.
1: Right. And we sort of talked about how our personalities are different because John is always the person who's like, I like that tub, but let's look at, like, 10 more, and let's read the reviews. And, like, he wants to go past the point of, like, it meets the criteria to make sure there's nothing better that meets the criteria.
0: I like to search exhaustively. And it turns out <laughs> turns out there's a term for this.
1: Yes, you guys diagnosed John and also me because there's a term for not doing this. You are what's called a maximizer. You want to continue to look for all the info to make sure you feel confident in your choice.
0: The definition I read online, and I will put some links to this as well, if you want to dive into the actual psychological definition. These are psychology terms, people.
1: Yeah. I'm sure listening, you know someone who is a maximizer.
0: Yes. There's someone who wants to get maximum utility out of a decision. So even though the thing in front of them meets their needs, they want to make sure that it meets as many other needs as possible. So like Even if the car that you're shopping for in front of you has the right number of seats for your family and gets the great gas mileage that you want, you want to go beyond and make sure it has, like, the best speaker. And also, (laughs) I do want the best speaker, you know. (laughs) You want to make sure it has the optimal of all things. That's why you're a maximizer. You want the maximum utility.
1: Right. And so what I am called is a sufficer. Satisficer. Oh, you're right. Satisficer. Like, it suffices. That's where it comes from. Because everyone's like, don't you mean satisfier? But it's satisficer.
0: You are satisfied by it being sufficient.
1: Right. It's also a gut thing, I think. And we talked about that in that last podcast episode where, like, I see it. And it's the price I want. It's the shape I want. There's a good review. And also, I'm like, this is it. Like, my gut is like, this is it. I think John is much more in the head than the gut.
0: Well, and the reason I guess this has become such an intensely studied thing in the psychology world is because it's also linked to your happiness with your decisions and no shocker here, satisficers tend to be happier with their decisions. They spend less time and energy making decisions and they experience less regret.
1: Well, the other funny thing that John was diagnosed as is a whole bunch of you DM'd me, John is cheaty from the good place. <laughs> he's a character who just like is overwrought when making decisions. I do want to speak up for my lovely husband and say he's not like this for everything. There are just certain categories where he wants All the info.
0: I am not as bad as Cheedy. Cheaty is a caricature (laughs) of someone who is paralyzed by indecision. And I make decisions. I just take a bit more time. And I think the other interesting thing that you were getting to, and Gretchen Rubin covered some of this in a blog post she wrote about maximizers and sufficers. Is that you're not necessarily one across all categories. So like you may be a maximizer when it comes to decisions for your home, but you are a satisficer when it comes to what to eat for dinner that night, you know? And so I feel like I'm not a maximizer in all areas of my life. Like I'm not a maximizer when it comes to my clothes. Like as long as it covers my body, fits well, and doesn't cost too much, like I'm happy to wear it.
1: He won't wear a non-stretchy jean, but that's okay. I
0: will, people. (laughs)
1: He prefers a stretchy gene.
0: That is meeting my minimum criteria. I'm satisfied.
1: <laughs> You're satisfied by a stretchy gene.
0: Well, and the funny thing about having been diagnosed as a maximizer is that it came up around the same time that I was experiencing another maximizing paralysis.
1: A debilitating moment in his life.
0: <laughs> Let's not go that far.
1: I was like, hello, cheaty. <laughs> Welcome to the bad place. <laughs>
0: right? So we mentioned several episodes ago that... That the family Christmas gift we were doing this year instead of a thing was that we were gonna go on a trip because we have a week off after Christmas where the kids won't have school that is perfect to go somewhere. And so we were a little bit, well, I was a little bit <laughs> paralyzed by where to go, where to stay, and all the logistics of making the trip. Because uh, if you remember, we were trying to get passports because we wanted this to be our first international trip as a family. We have not traveled out of the United States as a foursome ever. And actually, Sherry and I, as a twosome, have only gone together once to Canada on our book tour back in 2012. So, like, we're kind of out of practice when it comes to going on international trips. And so we had determined that we wanted to go someplace warm, and we kind of zeroed in on going to Costa Rica... And even with that decision having been made, I had trouble like pinpointing a place for us to stay because there were so many options out there and so many of them were unknown to me because we don't know the area, we've never been. And I would find one that like looks good and then I'd read a review and someone had a bad experience or they said it wasn't near something or it was hard to get to. And, you know, I would get all frozen and in indecision and be like, no, no, let's just go to Florida. Let's go back to someplace we've already been.
1: <laughs> John would be like, what do you think of this one? And I'd be like, oh. And you'd be like, wait, but what about this one? And I'm like, sure.
0: (laughs) Well, and I finally had to put my maximizer tendencies aside and kind of convince myself that, you know, this trip is going to be great no matter where we end up staying. It may not be perfect. It may not be the best location. It might not look exactly like it does online, but we're going to have fun because we have fun being together and we have fun being in new places. And so as long as we choose something, we are opening ourselves up to a good experience. So long story short, we eventually did find a place, actually two places to stay. <laughs>
1: the maximizer came back and he's like, I'm going to hedge my bets. We're booking two, a few nights at one, a few nights at the other. That way, if one isn't great, but the other one's
0: better. <laughs> that, that was a side benefit. The truth was I couldn't find one place that was available all the nights we were going to be there. So we split it up. So we get two different experiences.
1: And we're so excited. The kids are so excited. Remember, we're doing this instead of gifts. I mean, we are doing little gifts and stocking stuffers and stuff for the kids. But our big, gift to each other and to the kids is this trip, which really feels exciting for all of us. Like the kids are talking about it all the time. There are monkeys and sloths there. There are like fun outdoor activities and adventures. So I think we are going to make a lot of memories and it's pretty exciting even though it's not a big box under the tree. I feel like it's going to be this thing we all look back on and remember. And I'm very grateful that John finally made a decision because I think it's going to be wonderful and we will report back and tell you all about it.
0: So we've got a couple updates for you this week. One is the... I was going to say exciting conclusion, but I think it's not so exciting conclusion to our discussions of the colors of the year and all of our predictions, because many of you have seen already that Pantone finally announced their 2020 color of the year. That was like the one remaining company that we hadn't seen yet. You know, we made all these predictions about what the colors of the year were going to be for various companies. Sherry was very right and spot on for a couple. Ding, ding. I was still holding out for Pantone, expecting they would be the one who would give me a victory. Um, My guess was way out there. It was fluorescent.
1: Yeah, it was neon. I think you said neon yellow, and I said I could see more of maybe a neon green. Yeah. Um, Or a sea glass was my other guess. Just like a pure greeny blue color. They don't do a lot of grayed out, a lot of pastel, a lot of deep, deep, deep colors. They generally do the super playful, bright, bold colors. Well, Well, not so much this year.
0: The Pantone color of the year for 2020 is classic blue.
1: And if you can't picture that, just picture blue. Like if your kid grabbed a blue crayon, that's the blue. It doesn't have any greeny blue in it. It's not a neon. There's nothing unique about it. It is literally classic blue.
0: I like the color, I will say. Like we love decorating with blue. And I think there's a reason why they named it classic because people use this type of blue in lots of things. And I know that was the point Pantone was making by choosing it. Like... They have said in some of their descriptions that it is a color that instills calm, confidence, and connection that highlights our desire for a dependable and stable foundation.
1: Right. Love the message. Just thought for Pantone, it was a bit blah.
0: Yeah. It was not only disappointing that I didn't get a color right... (laughs) I expected more from Pantone. They're the only company in this group that's not a paint company. So like all the other ones have to choose things you would actually put on your walls for the most part. Right. Pantone pulls from the whole spectrum of color in the world. They, I think, pull a lot from fashion, for instance. And so that's why they do these bold, more vibrant colors. So it just felt like they didn't really deliver this year in the way that I expected to by choosing something that's so classic.
1: Right, it felt like a Benjamin Moore color, honestly. It felt very much like this is a color you could use in decorating, you could use it anywhere. But I rely on Pantone to pick things like orange, coral, you know, like colors that aren't necessarily everyone's favorite to decorate. Yeah. Even when you said bold yellow or neon yellow, I was like, yes, that's such a Pantone thing. And so to just see classic blue, it felt like, hmm, okay, it's fine. But I'm very much looking forward to next year where I think they're going to bust so far out of that because I think they're going to flex the other way next
0: year. Yeah. And I'll put a link in the show notes to their announcement about it if you do want to see what it looks like.
1: It's a blue crayon, guys.
0: And the other update we have is from last episode, where we shared all of those holiday decorating traditions from around the world. And of course, we got a lot of feedback from you guys um, who enjoyed hearing them, but also had some things to add or some corrections, I will say. I didn't expect to get it all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did kind of go through that saying, I think, or like, you know, I'm sure it varies by wherever you live and personal preference. But of course, there were things that we didn't hit right on the head. For example, pronunciations. Yes, it's a bra. Not bra. I was wrong. It's not a bra, it's a bra. That's the South African barbecue that people yes. have on Christmas. Yes. Um, the other thing I pronounced wrong is I said perel or something for these capiz decorations, and I learned it's parole, like you're on parole. Oh. <laughs>
0: I'm sure there were several other mispronunciations there. Someone said I said Newfoundland wrong. They said, We say
1: Newfoundland because we think that's how you're supposed to say it. But I guess the Canadian area says Newfoundland.
0: No, I don't think that's it. They said it rhymes with understand. Yeah. Like Newfoundland.
1: Oh, Newfoundland. Maybe. More corrections will come, guys. Yes. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for a further update.
1: (laughs) The other thing I got kind of angrily from a few people was, how dare you? No, nobody was that mad. But they were like, wait, why are you saying that nobody carols in the US? I still carol. And I was shocked. I've lived in three different states. Never have I ever had a caroler ever ring my doorbell in any neighborhood I've ever lived. And I've moved a lot as a kid and as a grown up.
0: Maybe you just give off this like anti caroler vibe.
1: They're like, I'm not gonna ring her bell. She's mean.
0: (laughs) We're skipping Sherry's house. (laughs) I did realize when people said that like in Cape Charles, where we have our beach house, they have carolers out on the main street when they do their holiday festivals on Friday nights. So like, It's not a door-to-door thing, but there is singing and carols going on. So I guess it does exist out there. But yeah, I haven't seen the door-to-door thing personally. Sorry to insinuate that it didn't exist anywhere.
1: The funny other thing I kept hearing, a lot of Philly folks, like Philly in the U.S. Philadelphia. They kept telling me, hey, we have mummers here. We actually have a huge parade. I think it's New Year's Day. And everyone dresses up and gets really into the costumes. Remember, mummers, we learned, was dressing up like older people and ringing the doorbell.
0: Just dressing up in costumes. Someone said they use old clothes, not necessarily as old people.
1: Oh, (laughs) I got that wrong. We'll issue a
0: correction for that next episode.
1: (laughs) What region was that? I forget again. That
0: was in Newfoundland. Oh, Okay, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, so Philly was like, dude, we have a big Mummers thing, and there's even a parade. And someone said that they work on the costumes for an entire year, that there's a costume contest. It's really big in their city. It shuts down city blocks. So I thought that was funny that we had never heard of Mummers, and yet there's Philly having a parade for Mummers. <laughs> The other thing I learned, which is hilarious, is remember how I was saying the pickle ornament? My friend is of German descent, she does it too. A reader gave us a pickle and said it's a German tradition. We learned it's not from the real Germans. It's an American tradition that is attributed to the Germans. The Germans take no claim on this and do not do it in Germany. So remember it was hiding a little pickle in the tree. The person who finds it either like unwraps their gifts first or has good luck. I actually heard from a few people after the episode aired that in their family, whoever finds the pickle gets $10 or a gift card. Card. Like, oh. there's a monetary component. And my friend, who is a grown woman, said she and all of her siblings rush the tree and like lay under it because they're so serious about it because the winner gets a $20 gift card to Panera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the things will do for some bread.
1: Some bread.
0: <laughs> People were also surprised that we hadn't heard of Advent wreaths. And I guess I've been living under a rock.
1: I mean, I'm sure we've been around them. We just thought they were a centerpiece. Like, we didn't know the four candles symbolized anything. We didn't know how they work. Like, you light one every Sunday.
0: Well, literally last week after we finished editing the episode, we went to our friend's holiday party and she had one on her table. And we were both like, an advent wreath.
1: And she's like, yeah, you guys do them? And I was like, no, but we heard about them.
0: I think this just speaks to the fact that even in one country, there are so many different traditions that your family might do every year and it seems very obvious to you, but then other people don't. See caroling. Yeah, caroling and Evan wreaths. Like, my family never did one. Maybe we had something, but I didn't know that's what it was, so... It's just proof that traditions are so personal.
1: We heard actually from someone in Brazil who was like, You got punked when someone said that they decorate coconut trees. Nobody does that. And I was like, In all of Brazil? And she said, Well, at least in my part. So you just never know.
0: You never know.
1: Maybe we did get punked.
0: (laughs) Now I want to talk about something that I keep thinking about. Because if you remember a few episodes ago, we talked to Tanya Hester, she was the personal finance expert. And she said something in that conversation where one area of her life that she just decided to not spend money on was her home. She basically said like, I declared my rooms done. I knew they may not be the trendiest or be updated to match what's in the magazines, but I just said like, I'm happy with how they look and that's fine by me. So now I don't have to even think about buying home decor. And I think that was a, Old statement to make on a home DIY podcast.
1: (laughs) That's why I love her, though. You guys, we're like good friends now since that. I just love that we, like, discovered each other randomly and now we're buddies. But I love that she said that because, A, it enforces everybody has different priorities, right? Like, she says, I like to spend on this and save on this. And someone else might spend on the exact thing someone else saves on. So we all know that when she was saying that, it wasn't like a dig. Like, I didn't feel personally sad about it.
0: No, no, no. But what it actually struck in me, and I keep going back to thinking about it, is because... I think we are people who share a philosophy that is like a space is never done. Like it's constantly evolving and you're tweaking it. And so I think we have been hesitant to mark anything as done because we enjoy the open-endedness of a room.
1: Well, I also think as having a household that has two growing children in it, our house has to evolve. But when I look at rooms, it's like, wait, a lot of stuff we've had for a really long time. We move things around within the house. We like to do things that make something feel refreshed, but it might be on a budget.
0: Well, and that's what I wanted to talk about today, because I was like, maybe there's a middle ground between this and things are always evolving, and I don't spend any money on my house. Because there is a way that you can indulge yourself and your home decorating needs and your need to tweak things, but still not spend any money.
1: Still zero dollars. So you heard John say maybe there's a middle ground, you were probably like, okay, he's gonna say for some money. No, we're still talking about zero budget makeovers. And I have two examples that we've done in the last three months. So we actually utilize these tips often. And when we share stuff with you, we often are saying, look, and it was zero dollars to make this change. So how many tips exactly are there,
0: John? Yeah, I think we've got five suggestions for ways that you can evolve your rooms or adjust your rooms without spending any money. Number one, take things out. I know this sounds counterintuitive, but as people who have been on this simplifying and minimizing kick for so long now, we have really seen the magic that can happen when you just pare things down from your room. It gives refreshed focus to the things that are still left. And it makes the room feel different, even if all the things that are left are still in their same spots and are still the same objects. So you aren't necessarily changing anything; You're just pulling things out.
1: Yes, absolutely. As someone who has been staging houses for a few years now, I noticed this thing that I just call creep, where you have six things on the mantle, but then you get a new thing and you put it up there and you get a new thing and you put it up there. And suddenly your mantle that had five things over the creep of a year has 12 things. So just look around at surfaces and it's actually really hard to have a fresh eye. So what I... often do especially when I'm staging this is my big trick I stand in the doorway of the room and I take a picture a photo will often show me super busy zones that my eye is so used to I'm like blind to the space I can't pick up on it with my eyeballs but in the photo I see oh there's way too much on the mantle oh there actually needs to be nothing on the coffee table and I will pare down strip back I know it sounds like you're taking away style I often find that less is more and that rooms exude much more confidence and have a place for the eye to rest. And you will see your art more, for example, if there's not a bunch of cluttery stuff under it, on the table, experiment maybe with taking an entire chair out for a day and just see how that feels.
0: That's the other thing I was gonna say is this is an uncomfortable process when you're used to seeing a room a certain way to have less in it, because it will feel empty initially. So part of the challenge of this exercise is being comfortable being uncomfortable for a few days. Like you will probably want to put things back or go buy something new. Like if you're trying to spend zero budget, you don't want to fall in the trap of feeling like you have to go buy something to replace the thing you just took out. So like give yourself a few days, give yourself a week to just take in the empty spaces because I promise you they won't feel so empty in a few days.
1: The second tip sounds similar, but it is a completely different concept. It is organize and redistribute. So an example of this, I told you we did this recently two times, the first one was the beach house backyard. I'll link to the blog post about this because I shared it in a post, but essentially it was like an area with a daybed and a bench, like you could put your feet up, a loungy area, and then an area with a dining table. We rearranged the furniture after about three months of living with the yard that way when we realized there was some dripping from the dew dripping down the roof, and the furniture in the loungy area had a cushion, so it was always wet. You will never sit on a cushion that is Rewet every morning from dew. Right. So we moved it so that the loungy, cushiony areas were out in the sun. They hardly ever got wet except if it rained and they dried out really quickly because they were out in the sun. And then we put the dining table, which didn't have any cushions, in the area that was getting the drips and it was drying off so fast because it was wood and we could use it a lot more.
0: Well, and we actually ended up making kind of a conversation area that didn't exist before around the lounger. So now there was the bench that had been for putting your feet up on it, had a cushion. We took the cushion off and that was a coffee table. We took two of the dining chairs, put it opposite the lounge area, so now you can sit and actually talk to people. Like it prompted us to rethink the furniture that we had and actually make it much more functional than just a simple do-si-do of furniture.
1: Absolutely. It completely changes the way we use the backyard. We play games around that table. As soon as we took the cushion off, we were like, this is a great service for board games. We would entertain and have people over and we'd all sit around the coffee table with like snacks and drinks. But I'll put a link in the show notes to that post because it truly is hard to explain and easy to see right away in the pictures. You'll get it.
0: Yeah. And if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen a few months ago, we did this in our bedroom as well, where we just moved some of our dressers around. We actually took a couple of our dressers that had been freestanding and put them next to the bed to become nightstands. It put the furniture in a new arrangement that made it more functional for us. And I think looks nicer. I mean, I think you might go through this exercise of moving furniture around or just moving objects around. Like this doesn't have to be you, you know, pushing heavy items to different corners. This can be just rehanging your art in a different place, rearranging things on a bookshelf, but just mixing up the things in your room can just make it look different. Even if it is a lateral move, it's no better, no worse. If you are craving some sort of evolution or change in your space, this is an easy way to do it without actually breaking out your wallet.
1: Well, the crazy thing about the bedroom reconfiguring, if you guys watched it live on Insta Stories, I was sharing it as I went, I got about halfway and I was like, these dressers look bad next to the bed. They're too tall. My eyes were used to the height of the old nightstands. This goes back again to you being blind to your space because you're used to how it used to be and you can't see the new way as an improvement. And literally about an hour later, I was fully into it. I brought new lamps and put them on them Nothing was purchased. These were literally lamps from the attic that I had been storing. And of course, my eyes adjusted. And I was like, why was I being so crazy and saying these were too high? It's literally like a two inch difference.
0: Well, and we actually went through a similar exercise in our beach house this summer where we completely rearranged the master bedroom because we were just itching to make sure we had the best layout. We ended up putting things back exactly the way they were. And I actually documented the whole thing so that we can show you guys. So in a future post, you'll see an instance where rearranging didn't work out, but but it was still a helpful exercise for us to go through because it reaffirmed the layout was already correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, one bonus thing from just redistributing or moving things around, you get a new view. So if you have the couch somewhere for five years and you move the couch to a new place, you might immediately be struck like, oh, I like this view so much better. or Oh, it feels so good without people walking into the back of me. You have to really move the furniture to get that new view or that new feeling. And it might be wrong and it might be right, but it's one of those things where you can't visualize it on paper. You have to actually do it and right. live with it for a little bit. So it never Hurts and it's free.
0: The third thing you can do to update your room without spending any money is to shop other parts of your house. This is one thing we do all the time. And it's one of Sherry's favorite things to do when she's staging. And it's similar to the last tip about redistributing things within your room. But this is talking about looking at the whole house and stealing things from a different room. Like maybe if you've had a piece of art hanging up in your bedroom, just try it down in your living room for a little bit. You still get to enjoy the art, but maybe you're seeing it more often or from a different angle and it might be that little change you need just to feel like the room is refreshed.
1: Right. Instead of just saying like, I'm going to swap the chairs and the sofa within the living room, maybe you're going to swap the bedroom chair that you throw all your laundry on and never sit on and you're going to bring that into the living room. Now, I know what this does to you because this happens to me. You almost always feel like you are doing the other room a disservice. You almost always feel like, no, but this room, I really like this room. I shouldn't do that. I'm trying to improve one room at the expense of another room. It's a natural feeling. I just encourage you to see it through because often you feel that way and then you like both rooms refreshed and you solve some problem like the chair in your room was never used. It was full of laundry, et cetera, et cetera. And an example would be this. Almost every house I've staged, well, 50% of the houses I've staged, have had a rug in the dining room. I usually look at other rooms and I think they could use the rug more. I've never looked at a listing picture of a dining room and been like, that needs a rug under the table. Living rooms, on the other hand, really need rugs in staging photos and in viewings in person. The rug connects the chairs and the seating area. It really grounds the room. So I often will grab a rug from a dining room and drag it into a living room that is rugless. And I will put the coffee table on the rug and I will put the fronts of the chairs and the fronts of the sofa on the rug. And suddenly this like disparate floating area of objects becomes one big grounded rectangle. It works miracles. I do it in the bedrooms too because I like bedrooms to be really Cozy. Just think of places where you might have a rug where you don't need it and others where you might want to try it just to see how it looks.
0: And if you're like me and you're hearing this and you're like, oh my gosh, dragging rugs around, like moving furniture off of them, like it sounds like a lot of work. Remember, it's less work than spending money and having a new rug shipped.
1: I mean, then you're spending money on top of it and you still have to wrestle it and have a rug pad and all this stuff. So <laughs> the free wrestling is better than the I paid for this and then I still have to wrestle it.
0: Right. And this may solve a room that's been feeling feeling unfinished to you by bringing a rug in, or again, it may just make the room evolve in a way or change it from how it's been for the last several years if you're just craving that little bit of change but don't want to spend much money. Um, The fourth thing that is a great way to make some updates without dipping into your bank account is to look at your leftovers and see what you can use in your room.
1: And this is more in like a DIY aspect. Like an example would be if you have some beautiful wrapping paper, you could tape that along the back of a bookcase and it would look like wallpaper. You could use it as a drawer liner so that every time you pop open your dresser drawer, you love the way it looks because you have this beautiful paper lining the bottom. It could be you find some extra paint in the garage and you paint a floating shelf or a vase. I've seen so many people do lamp base updates. One of the really cool ways you can do this lately is people buy that Ardex concrete, we actually did um, concrete countertops using this. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's basically like a skim coat of concrete. And lately I've been seeing a lot of bloggers whip up a little batch. It's very affordable. It's like $18 for That's a bag. That's spending
0: money. You're breaking the rules. Sharon. That
1: is true. This is just a side tip.
0: If you have Artex left over,
1: If you have any Artex in the garage,
0: which we do. Well, the point is if you are a DIYer or a crafter, you inevitably have a backstock of leftovers, whether it's fabric or paint or spray paint Or wood, who knows what? Like, you probably have some leftovers that you could revisit and just say, is there something I could use to do a little project?
1: Yeah, even if you have like ribbons from gift wrapping or like little tassels, I've seen people tie those on like one of the pulls for a dresser or on a lamp or on a curtain. Just these cute little ways that you can use what's already in your house in a creative new way. And it's just like a lovely way to appreciate and enjoy the beautiful things you already have instead of keeping them in a drawer. They're like out on display.
0: Yeah. And the thing I love about this idea is because I think a lot of us who have that like itch to change a room that we need to scratch sometimes, a lot of that itch is also wanting to just like do something with our hands or do a project. And so even if it's just a temporary project that you're doing where you're, I don't know, painting a frame or painting a piece of like abstract art yourself. It's just fun to do the process. You may not keep the artwork forever, but it injects that little bit of newness into a room that you might be craving.
1: Yes, and the final tip, which is one of my favorites and it's free, is add green stuff. Like clippings from the yard. I'm not gonna find a pretty like flowering bloom right now. Right. But I often just use things that are green and there is year-round greenery outside. So an example would be when I'm staging a house, I will bring a little vase in, put it on the top of a dresser in a bedroom or a vanity in a bathroom, Or in the kitchen, I usually do like the ledge with the window above the sink. I will just pop down a little vase and I'll put a clipping in it. It is free. It takes two seconds. Everyone has some sort of a vessel. Even if you have a beautiful cup, like literally a cup that you drink water from, you can put a bloom in or a beautiful branch from outside and it can really bring life to a room. And I think if you're listening, you're like, okay, that's a really boring one. I don't care about that. I would argue that of all the tips, it sounds the smallest, but can make the biggest difference. Like it kind of feels the same way. We're like hunters and gatherers, right? It oh feels my gosh. The same way as going <laughs> to Home Goods and looking for something pretty. You can go in your yard and look for something pretty, and it is free.
0: Your caveman ancestors are rolling in their graves <laughs> that you just said, like hunters and gatherers. We're going to Home Goods.
1: I'm just saying, I get these cravings, and sometimes I'm on the couch and I'm scrolling, and I think. Finding something new on my phone is going to make my room exciting. And then I realized, no, if I move my body outside for free, I can make my room exciting. And it's different every time. I find different stuff every time.
0: So again, just to recap, the five things we talked about were take things out, organize and redistribute things within the room, shop other parts of your house and bring things in, swap things from room to room, look at your leftovers like your leftover paint, fabric, etc. And add free greenery to your room. And we will recap this in the show notes also at younghouselovecom podcast and also put in some pictures like of our beach house backyard that we rearranged and also a picture of our bedroom with the dressers that we rearranged as well.
1: Yep. And next up we have we're digging. I'm actually digging something that was free to implement. It was a little presto changeo I did involving our kids. I did not press their change to our kids, (laughs) but it involves their stuff. But first we have to take a quick break.
0: Way back in episode 140 of this very podcast, I dug these really cool built-in nightlights we had bought for the duplex after a bunch of you guys had recommended them to us, and well, now the company that makes them, Snap Power, is sponsoring this week's episode, so we get to remind you why they're so cool.
1: Yeah, if you remember, they're these subtle, down-shining nightlights that are built right into the outlet or switch plate cover on your wall, and they've got a built-in sensor, so they automatically turn on when your room gets dark, you don't need an electrician to install them, you literally only unscrew your old outlet cover and screw the new one in, that's it, it takes seconds to do.
0: Yeah, and they don't block outlets. You don't have to worry about your kids messing with them. And the LED bulb won't need replacing for up to 25 years.
1: I also really like that they just don't stick out like a nightlight. Like you can walk through a hallway and not bump into them. They're flush, just like an outlet cover.
0: Well, and they also have a lot of other options too. Like there's a safe light. That's a nightlight with a built-in sliding outlet covers that protect little fingers. And even a USB charging outlet cover that installs the exact same way just by snapping on the new cover. And poof, you can charge your phone without blocking an outlet.
1: And you can check out their entire line of snap power products at snappower.com and our listeners can get 15% off their entire order using the code YHL15. Again, that's code YHL15 at snappower.com.
0: Wait, before you get into what you're digging, we should point out that this is our last episode of the month, of the year,
1: of the decade, of the
0: decade, Uh, because Christmas is next week. uh, We figured this was a good time to wrap up what we were sort of calling our quote-unquote fall season over here, and so we are going to be off for a short time in the winter while we just sort of like enjoy the holidays and some family time, uh, you know, on our trip, obviously. Yay! And we will be back with our spring season. Is it too early to call it a spring season?
1: Well, it's going to start in February 3rd. So, probably, but let's just call it that.
0: Yes, our spring season, which we're now calling it, will be back starting February 3rd. So, we'll be off for a few weeks. We hope you guys enjoy that time. We'll obviously be on Instagram and our blog and stuff. We're not disappearing entirely, but podcast wise, you'll hear from us again that first week of February. But, anyways, on to what you're digging.
1: This was born from someone very passively saying something on Instagram, not to me, they're an Instagrammer and I was following them and they were talking about how they keep all the board games that their kids play with on the top shelf in their closet, like their game closet. And the funny thing is my brand went, huh, that's weird, but the kids can't reach them. And then she said, I did this because my kids were constantly taking board games down, spreading out all the pieces, playing with them Monopoly pieces in ways they shouldn't, you know, like just mixing games up, like putting the sorry back into the box with the Monopoly stuff.
0: Well, they quickly realized that the game pieces can almost just be toys. Like Monopoly, very literally, was out the day before. And all the money was everywhere and the little, you know, Scotty Dog and Ironing Board and all whatever characters they have now. I don't even remember. It's been a while since I've played Monopoly.
1: There's a top hat.
0: They were all out being used as objects. And, you know, certain games, if you lose the pieces, you can't play the game anymore. So you were hearing this at a moment where we were realizing, like, we need to make sure the games are only being used when it's, like, game time. Like, they're not placeholder toys. They have other toys for that purpose.
1: Right, exactly. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. Because first my brain played all these tricks on me. It was like, well, they're right close to the cusp of an age when they could play games just against each other. And am I discouraging the sibling bond that they won't play these games together? It
0: feels weird to move activities out of your kid's reach.
1: Right. But then I was like, you know what? If this doesn't work, it's free and it takes five minutes. I can undo this. So as an experiment, I just put all the games up on the top shelf in the closet. Closet. And the kids came home and they are like, hey, I can't reach blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, if you want to play it after dinner, I'll get it down because we play the games together.
0: I said tough noogies. No,
1: you did not. <laughs> because we love playing games with them. But it always involves us. Like we have the four yeah. of us settle down after dinner usually. And for like a good hour, we'll play maybe one type of game, maybe even two types of games. And for anyone who's going to ask me what games we play, I'll link them in the show notes. We are a game family. We love games. And we play many adult versions, not, <laughs>
0: not PG-13. Not the like... um Cards Against Humanity adult versions.
1: No, but, like, we don't play Kids Monopoly anymore or Kids Sorry anymore. We can play the original version, like, the grown-up version of... Ticket to Ride, and Life.
0: We're on a big sequence kick at the moment. We really love sequence.
1: So we'll link all the games in the show notes. But I'm generally just digging this idea that's like, think about your sticking points. I'm always telling people, look, at your sticking points. And I was blind to the games all over the floor sticking point. And then when I really thought about it, it's like, no, the way that we play them is as a family. So as long as the family has access to the game, the kids don't have to be taking the Monopoly money out and making it rain. And then going to school and leaving the money (laughs) on the ground for me to clean.
0: (laughs) you got to clean up the rain. (laughs) Well, and speaking of kids activities, I'm actually digging one that is related to a kid activity. And they are some baking kits or subscription boxes. You can buy them a la carte. So we bought them a la carte, but you can also buy them as a subscription. So every month you get one. It's from a company called Foodstirs. It's F-O-O-D-S-T-I-R-S like stir.
1: I shared it, and everyone's like, that's Buffy's
0: company. Yes.
1: Sarah Michelle Geller owns it, apparently. I had no idea, but they're wonderful.
0: Yes, it's partially owned by Sarah Michelle Geller, I guess. So I stumbled upon it because it was advertised to me on Instagram.
1: And John buys everything that's advertised to him on Instagram. Not
0: everything, <laughs> just most things. <laughs> no, I've really cut back after a few flops. But one in particular caught my eye because it was a pancake art kit, you know, where you get like those little squeezy ketchup bottle looking things. And you put different colored pancake batter in them so that you can make designs on your griddle while you're making pancakes with the kids. And we love making pancakes. And I always thought that would be a fun way to get the kids involved in making them. And if you don't need a baking kit, like you're not looking for the activity thing, they also sell a bunch of their mixes individually because the other nice thing about them is all of the mixes are organic and non-GMO. So they're also... I guess, good for you, as much as baked goods can be good for you.
1: Right, like as good as a brownie can get.
0: Like Sherry was very impressed that... The pancake art kit we got had no artificial colors in it, despite the fact that there were these very colorful mixes to make the different batters with.
1: Yes, and I thought it tasted good, and the kids really loved it. And I gotta say, it's really funny to watch your kids draw pancakes, because I was awful at it. John was amazing at it, and our kids had varying degrees of success, but we had some really good laughs over the flops, and it was a ton of fun. We, like, rendered our dog's face in pancake.
0: That one turned out pretty well, I thought. I mean, John there's, did
1: that one. It was great. There is
0: still room to grow. <laughs> (laughs)
1: john's infuriating because he's good at everything he does
0: no 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 i need a lot of practice i need more squeeze bottles but the kit came with a few and i'm hoping we're gonna get like a donut making kit as a christmas gift for our kids from some of the grandparents and as someone who more and more is looking for like activities and consumables as gifts you know things that won't end up just as like more toys or clutter around the house Mm -hmm. i feel like this is going to be a great solution because it's gonna be something to do it's something that we can enjoy eating
1: right and then it's gone and
0: then it's gone
1: Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And happy holidays, happy new year, and happy everything else.
0: Yeah, because remember, this is our last episode of the year, and we will be back with our new spring-ish season on February 3rd. So if you're not already subscribed, this is a great time to do it because you'll automatically see the new episode as soon as we're back.
1: Yep, it'll pop right up on your phone. And we'll still be on social media and stuff, so please keep telling us what you do while you listen, like Sarah on Instagram who says every Monday she hops in the car with her two-year-old twins and treats herself to a hot chocolate while she drives around listening. i thought that was so sweet
0: and like always there's some good stuff over in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast like more info on maximizers and satisficers and you have to show off the burger pancake okay i'll put in my burger pancake it's pretty great later
1: bye the funny other thing i kept hearing a lot of philly folks like philly residents philly in the u.s philadelphia philadelphia i will continue to just say philly and sometimes i will just say the place with gritty right (laughs)